Hello and welcome to episode 366 of the Fabulous Pelton Cast, sponsored by our friends at Pagliacci Pizza. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton. And I'm Tristan Carcino. And we're coming to you in different locations this week. I'm in Seattle, Washington, home of the four-time WNBA champion, Storm. I'm coming to you from Redden, Washington, home of the Super Bowl 48 champion, Seattle Seahawks. And because of the fact that we're recording in different locations this week and have not coordinated this ahead of time, you are not going to be participating live in our search for Seattle's best IPA this week. Darn. But I have to drink the Tropical Staycation IPA from our friends at Rooftop Brewing. Wow. Okay. Queen Anne. I want to drink that. I don't know if that counts as Queen Anne. I, uh, I also don't cool. seem to know the difference between Ballard and... and uh, Fremont, so maybe maybe my judgment shouldn't be ch- trusted here, but I feel like on that side of the hill, it's still Queen Anne and not Intermay yet, or that side of uh, the the bridge at least. Uh, this fruit forward all star trio of mosaic, citra, and Eldorado hops are here to transport you on that dream staycation. It's always five o'clock with this IPA. All right, that definitely. Uh... Got shaken up in my trunk as I brought it home. Uh, our toast this week. It's an all UW, an all rundown edition of the toasts. Starting, of course, with UW softball. Congratulations on making the Women's College World Series for the 15th time in program history by sweeping Louisiana last weekend in the Super Regionals. Sorry. What are you drinking there? I'm drinking the leftover Wonderland Trail. There you go. Uh, anyway, we did not see UW against LSU because they were upset by Louisiana. But nonetheless, taking down McNeese, taking down Louisiana, UW definitely the Louisiana State champs. There we go. Also, I mean, UW baseball took Louisiana's coach as well, LSU's coach. Hmm, that's a good uh, pitching, pitching coach. coach. He was a, it's not like Plus Oregon. Mark Emmer, we own Louisiana. <laughs> Was that a good thing? The beast quake. We have done everything against Louisiana. Wow. Did not know that this was a rivalry until just now. Yeah. So I guess it's not a rivalry. It's one side. It's not even close. It is not even close. We own you, Louisiana. They they have an NBA team and we don't. Uh, our other test. Wow. Speaking of Jason one, Kelly. Promise. It's done. I don't know if you're aware. It's done. It's not done. Uh, <laughs> speaking of your, Jason Kelly, your defense of it is getting a little bit less. <laughs> speaking of Jason Kelly and UW baseball, congratulations to them for being selected for the NCAA tournament as an at-large in the Stillwater Regional. There it we is go. The first appearance for the Huskies. In you the want NCAA to know what state we don't the college own. World Series in 2018? <laughs> oh, state well, very no. very close to Louisiana. <laughs> Definitely Do not no. own that state. Famously, some it, losses. I mean, it's. Yeah. Is it that close to Louisiana, though? It's not far, but it's not that close. Uh, the 12th appearance in the NCAA tournament in program history for UW. So a big moment. And I think we can only credit one thing you're looking up where. I was looking to see if they touched. Louisiana. They do not touch by like the shortest distance. There's okay. the shortest amount of Arkansas that is stopping them from touching. <laughs> 
each other. This is like, it's basically a, a free lord type situation. <laughs> it's basically Oak, Louisiana. They... I mean, there's literally Texarkana right in between them, actually. Yes, yes that actually is. <laughs> they, they did that for real. Anyways, we can only attribute UW baseball success this year to one thing, and that is, of course, their desire to stay on the yes! rundown. They on were the doing rundown. it for the rundown. And you know what? What's that? I'm going to decrease something right now. Wow. UW baseball's on the rundown all next season by virtue of making the NCAA All tournament. next season? Yeah. Wow. It's we're right there with UW the men's soccer. That treatment. They've won multiple championships. We, we 100% are giving the storm that treatment. <laughs> I'm Most... the only person arguing to get the storm off the rundown. It's just a draft you... watch. We have to find an angle. We have to find an angle for the storm. We, we talked about like 25 minutes about the WNBA last week. Remember? That's the angle is not talking about the storm, but the league in just general. The league as a whole. Well, this week we'll get to talk about Brianna Stewart. So. Oh, God. It's, that'll be its angle. So anyways, a great weekend for the UW Spring Sports. Uh should we talk briefly about, so I went to Rooftop the other day to pick up this beer. Oh, I meant to also, look up where this was to judge whether it's Queen Anne or not. So it's it's down the street from SPU. If you're following SPU uh, towards towards the, the Ballard Bridge, I suppose. So also there visited the Smash That Burger company truck and had their Smash Burger, which I got to say... A lot of overlap. And it's, you know, Loretta's is not a smash burger. It's a tavern burger, which is slightly different, mm-hmm. but a lot of overlap between what they're doing here and the tavern burger at Loretta's. Okay. In a good way? Is this a compliment? In a good way, yeah. Oh, okay. Is this a compliment? Some I, of us I, actually chose Loretta's as Seattle's best burger. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm never claiming Dojoy. No, Dojoy is my version of Loretta's for you. You not picking Dojoy. You were just wrong. You're just objectively wrong. You even admit you went to Ninth and Hennepin after, and you were like, "Actually, this sucks. These donuts are terrible." I uh, did not say that at all. Whoa, Ninth and Hennepin is still great. I will signed say, it ESPN's Kevin Belton and everything. <laughs> it's like you're like the photo that's on the wall, and I signed and I signed these donuts Wayne Gretzky, suck. Dash. <laughs> oh yeah, that's no. that's, that's what no, you're like, saying. Like uh, the episode of How I Met Your Mother, where Regis Philbin's photo is on every burger joint in the city. <laughs> uh huh. That's yeah. you. These donuts suck. Dash ESPN's Kevin Feldman. Okay. Nathan Hennepin's still awesome. I will say, the it wasn't the most recent dojo I had because I I had it once after that. But a recent subsequent dojo and a subsequent Nathan Hennepin dojo did get the slight edge. Proved me correct. Okay, so this is disputed territory. It is definitely Queen Anne, of course. This is North Queen Anne. But it is a part of Queen Anne that I don't go to that often. And therefore, I feel like... You don't count it? I don't not count it, but I just don't even really know where it's at. Once you get to the top of Queen Anne, Queen Anne should not go back down, in my opinion. (laughs) Wait, what are we going to name that area? I'm okay with Lower Queen Anne. I'm okay with Upper Queen Anne. I'm not okay with North Queen Anne. All right. Well, existing. <laughs> we'll get the Peltoncast geography experts on what we should name this place, but uh, definitely worth checking out. I would say the Smash That Burger Company. You were the, trying to decide whether it was part of Ballard, though. No, Inner Bay would be the other po- question, I think. But I don't think Inner Bay extends east of Fifteenth. It's in. It needs like a New York style name. If if the neighborhoods were named better, it would be like 
west of Inner Bay or north of Queen Anne, something well, like it's, that. It's east of Inner Bay, but yes. East of Inner Bay. These are, but you know what, you know what style these Smash Burgers are? Smash that Burger like Company are, Ian though. Bay or No, no Qui Ha, something like that. That's yeah, what it would yes. be. If we... Yes. Do you know what style, though, these Smash Burgers are, unfortunately? What style? Well, they're not Louisiana style. They are apparently Oklahoma style. There's an Oklahoma style of burgers? I think so. <laughs> We're going to have to do more research into that. I like how unconfident you are in that. <laughs> I've just read one story that listed it. No, I think they it's on their menu as well. Oklahoma style? Yeah. Something about this place doesn't rub me the right way. <laughs> I can't tell why. Again, the burgers were quite delicious. Mm. So that it's in the Noquiha ter- no no quia. The no no noquian. Noquian. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> I, I don't feel like we've made it there yet. We're not oh, there yet. Okay, we'll we'll keep working on it. We'll get there. Yeah, we're workshopping it. Uh, anyway, it's in the neighborhood that I don't think should exist. And they're Oklahoma-style burgers. But if the burgers are good, I'm for it. <laughs> there you go. We got you back in. All right. All right, with that, it's time for your favorite segment. Wow. You're always surprised, constantly surprised every week how fast we get. I to thought we had 20 segment. to 30 minutes to do on the WNBA before this. <laughs> no, that comes after. Don't burn yourself. We got Mariners hot takes coming at you. Well, I don't know if you heard, but one of the most anticipated finales of the year happened this weekend. A finale years in the making with so much drama and intrigue. We literally went into it not knowing what to expect. That's right. Of course I'm talking about the finale to Julio Rodriguez's slump to begin the 2023 season because he is back, baby. That slump died hard, fishing an iPhone from a clogged toilet because Julio now has a six-game multiple-hit streak. He's hitting almost 500 over the last week and has a close to 1,000 OPS over the last two weeks and proved in game one against the Yankees. It wasn't just an A's hot streak. This is for real. The Mariners now have their very own disgusting brothers. With Julio back and Kellenic still raking, you don't need to Google Translate to understand that this combination is scary for American League pitching from here on out. Whether ownership sells to Gojo or not, and look, I wish they would, even their numbers in India make the Mariners' offseason spending look pathetic. I think what we realized this last week when Julio put the sticker on the forehead and said, I got you. Much like we knew way back four years ago when they were just prospect, that succession in Seattle always has and always will be won by Julio and Kalanick. As someone who has never seen that show, I understood about one-fourth of the references there. But I am disappointed that you didn't say that Mariners' ownership is not ser- are not serious people. Are not serious, but that's actually good. Yeah. Petition to name Julio and Kalanick the Disgusting Brothers. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to catch on, but we can workshop that one as well. Workshop it? It either, <laughs> it either will or it won't. 
Uh, the Mariners did, as you alluded to, finish their four-game sweep at the A's, followed by taking two of three from Pittsburgh over the weekend. And the less we say about anything that was not Julio or Jared Kelnick in Monday night's series opener against the Yankees, the better. I think the most important thing that happened in the losses that happened in this time frame were they were pitching losses, ultimately. I mean, it's not like there's huge run sport on Monday night, but the Mariners were still hitting. And if the Mariners are hitting, we talk about this all the time with the Seahawks, where it's like, if they can have the 12th best offense and the fifth best defense, you've got a very good team. And I think that's what the Mariners are looking at. If the hitting is there, I'm not worried about the pitching at all. This is... I think this is a playoff team. Have you looked at the AL East standings? There's going to be a lot of playoff teams for the it AL East. Is, there's attrition also, that happens. The Rangers? With, with things like that. Oh, boy. The, the Rangers have played like 60% of their games against the A's so far this year. I mean, mathematically speaking. It's not like the Mariners have played a limited number of their games against the A's. It definitely like throws off the whole run differential calculations if you play against a team that's, you know, on average like minus five runs per game. The A's are not serious people. <laughs> they are not serious people. <laughs> or or maybe they, the the team is. Uh, the front office may still be serious long term. Uh yeah, the, the top of the order was hitting Monday. I wouldn't say the bottom of the order where there was one hit combined among the hitters after Jared Kelnick in the lineup was hitting. Uh, but Teoscar Hernandez was robbed of a home run by Aaron Judge. Did you see this play? No. I, th- I thought for sure it was gone. I couldn't believe it. it. If it had been 10 degrees warmer, that ball was for sure out. But Judge went up and, and pulled it down. Uh, to add People to the two are so confident in their own ability to judge the correlation between temperature and distance tr- balls travel. I'm, I'm just, just like, saying the way it came off the bat, like that should not have been just right at the fence. It was like 72 and sunny. There wasn't a marine layer. There wasn't a marine layer, but it wasn't that warm by that point in the night. There's no I think way. I think the number one, pe- you know, how everybody is. Like 60% of people are confident that they're smarter than the average person. Maybe it's a higher number, right? Oh, definitely a higher. Maybe it's like 80% of people are confident that they're of higher intelligence than the average person. I can no longer remember the name of this effect. Think that they are more capable of understanding the correlation (laughs) between temperature and baseballs traveling than they are. It's like, oh, yeah, if it would have been 76 out, I think that's a home run. Sure, (laughs) and are also capable of only understanding that temperature only applies to the team they're cheering for i mean it's true that obviously aaron judge did not seem affected by whatever was going on (laughs) but is he hit his home runs earlier in the game oh he got cooler the The marine layer set in right when teoscar hernandez came to bed (laughs) uh that is the illusory illusory superiority effect there we go that's the name of that but there's a Dunning Kruger is the uh, the the pithier name that you probably know. Oh yeah, that's the pithy name. Yes. <laughs> uh, we should also shout out Gino with the walk off home run in extra innings on Sunday afternoon to finish that series victory over the Pirates. Good vibes only for sure in that one. It was much more no because they played a day game. And I'm, I'm going to see no baseball later, too. This That's week. not true. You saw a lot of baseball. I you did. didn't see Mariners baseball. I saw, I saw not a lot of professional baseball. 
And some of the games that I saw this last week were A's games, so I still somehow didn't see professional baseball. Ooh, tough beat for the A's. Also, they're, also, I was at the Rainiers game. I've been at a lot of amateur baseball. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely true. Uh, anything else on the Mariners? And I, I talked to everybody there where I was like, if a ball was hit hard, I was like, you know, if it's 78, <laughs> I think that's a dinger. You literally cannot come closer to hitting a home run without hitting one. The Teoscar and Hand instead. You, you go watch the replay. I haven't even seen it. I mean, it took Aaron just, Judge. What is like, Aaron Judge? 6'8? Six, six, like, that, that was a great play by Aaron Judge, or Teoscar was unlucky to hone in on the temperature. <laughs> that, that is just, what. Just the way it came off the bat and the fact that it should have been like halfway up the the hundred level. Okay. <laughs> I would Please. like to set the exact same set of circuits. I don't know why I'm bothered about it. I just think it's hilarious. The idea that you could be like, oh yeah, that was the weather. It's not even cold. A 72 degree day is basically like a relatively See, again, average summer This whole run did yeah. not take... I don't even know. I don't I'm skeptical whether it actually got up to 72 today, but this home run did not take place at 4:30 p.m. or whatever whatever the peak temperature was. It was I took out my garbage at that point. It was legitimately cold outside. All right. All right. So the Sounders <laughs> got off their losing streak on Saturday with a one-nothing win over the New York Red Bulls. The lone there goal coming from Jordan Morris, who finished a Leo Chu cross in the 23rd minute but suffered a groin injury in the process coming off shortly thereafter. Sanders were then reduced to 10 men in the 75th minute when Joao Paulo picked up his second yellow card, but still saw out their league-leading eighth clean sheet of the season, six of those coming at Lumen Field. Sanders back atop the Western Conference in total points, still third in points per match. Saturday was the first of three games in eight days, all of which will be at home. On Wednesday, it's the San Jose Earthquakes coming to town, fifth in the West with 19 points from 14 matches, but a minus two goal differential. And then on Saturday, it's the first visit this season by the Portland Timbers as part of this year's Sounders Rain doubleheader, which again is going to feature both Derby matches against Portland teams. Uh, after a four-game unbeaten stretch in MLS play, the Timbers have now lost their last two, falling to ninth in the West standings. Sounders will surely be without Jordan Morris for both of these matches after his injury, but Raul Ruiz Diaz should make his return this week. He was in the 18 on Saturday, but did not play, probably in part because the Sounders were parking the bus with 10 players. So his return coming at the right time with Jordan Morris and his nine goals heading out of the lineup for a short period of time. Jomo, go Joe. Go Joe, Jomo. <laughs> That's what you took from that? Uh-huh. Oil Rain also played Saturday at home, uh, beating up on Angel City in a matinee, attempting 25 shots, putting 11 of them on goal, and scoring four times in a lopsided 4-1 victory. Angel City actually scored first in the 27th minute, but the rain equalized before halftime, and they got a pair of Veronica Lotzko goals within a four-minute span of the second half to take the lead. All three of those first three goals assisted by Megan Rapino. Quinn wrapped up the scoring in the 82nd minute. Rain are into a tie for second in the NWSL with three other teams, including both they'll face this week. 
First off, they visit the rival San Diego Wave in a return to Challenge Cup action with both teams unbeaten so far in Challenge Cup play. Rain atop the West in points with a win in the draw, while the Rave won the, Wave won their only Challenge Cup outing thus far. On Saturday, as mentioned, it's a derby match against the Thorns, who boast the NWSL's best goal differential at plus 12, with the Rain a fairly distant second at plus 6. Portland has put home a league-high 23 goals, six more than the Rain, including five from Crystal Dunn to lead the team, while reigning MVP Sophia Smith has four goals and five assists. All right, Seattle Storm, still on the rundown, not going anywhere, because they were much more competitive in their second game last Friday against the Dallas Wings. You don't have to give a reason. They're not actually coming off the rundown. They did fall down. It's the two decades of success is why they're on the rundown. There you go. Also, your time and the well well timed tank. Yes, uh, they did fall down by seventeen points in the third quarter, but rallied in the final period. Had the ball down two with thirty seconds remaining after an illegal screen was called in a play that Jeff left Jewel Lloyd on the ground for an extended period. Lloyd then was on the bench for the subsequent Storm possession, and Storm couldn't get a good look in two opportunities. Satu Sali then scored for Dallas at the other end to basically finish off the game. We saw Noel Quinn dramatically change her rotation in the second half from what we saw in the first game and game and a half. The biggest difference was Sammy Whitcomb playing point guard, a role she'd barely played before that. Certainly, she's the best overall option for the Storm at point guard, even if that's if it's not her natural spot. Uh, Noel Quinn said post game she likes Whitcomb shooting from the wing, but with the depth there, easier for Sammy to get minutes at point guard. Uh, also, that depth started to play better with Kia Nurse having a big game with six three-pointers. And then the other change we saw was Ezzy Megbegor playing at center down the stretch when she came alive as a scorer, uh, as was also a big part of the comeback. Storm with small bottle lineups with Kyla Charles primarily at power forward next to Ezzy and starting center Mercedes Russell on the bench. Also didn't see a lot of Jordan Horston down the stretch after the Storm's first round pick started the game 0 for 5 from the field. On Tuesday... As mentioned, we have Brianna Stewart's return to Seattle for the first time since signing with the Liberty as a free agent. They really stacked the schedule, didn't they? They did, yes. Two of your first three games against super teams. Uh, Talk to Stewie after the Liberty's practice on Monday for a story that uh, you can read on ESPN.com, assuming it's after Tuesday morning that you're listening to this. Uh, she really emphasized how grateful she was for her time in Seattle, how much she appreciated it. And, uh, you know, certainly hoping for a positive reaction from the fans, given everything Stewie did here in Seattle. I think there will be. I think so too. There was a little bit of annoyance because so after Stewie's second game, her home debut where she scored a career high 45 points, in her home debut, uh, the post-game interview, she kind of looked around and said, you know, I think this confirms I made the right choice, which people took as a shot at Seattle. But I think really was just a matter of her saying that, like, you know, how good New York could be, how much excitement there could be in New York for the for the Liberty, you know, if they put together a, a team worthy of it. Not anything about Seattle, per se. And, you know, she continued to ma- maintain talking about it today that, you know, the decision was really about the ability to grow the WNBA being in New York and, you know, being closer to family on the East Coast, not 
anything about Seattle or, or the storm specifically. It's a little bit of a strange quote to unpack of like, she scored 45 in one game and that confirmed that she made the right choice. Just like literally it was just like the, the crowd at the home opener and the Liberty winning easily. All of that. Cause you did score 42 in your last game with the storm, I believe. And they lost to the aces. Yeah. I, it's a little bit of a strange quote. I, I would not judge. It's not fun to say in press conferences. Choices really can't be judged after two games, in my opinion. I that might is, want to weigh that, that one fair. out just a little bit. That that is fair. Just like five years come back, and we'll be like, and Stewie <laughs> can tell us whether she made the right choice. That's Nobody a long ever time. wants to wait five years <laughs> to hear we'll it in a press conference. We'll see what's going on in five years. That's a it, long time from now. Is there a way? It's really interesting to understand. Do you think it's about who the fan base is? Because certain players, like the situation with Stewie leaving. I don't necessarily understand the radius of why it is okay for certain people to leave in the mind of quote unquote fan and why it is not okay for other players. Russell Wilson probably asked for a trade was clearly unhappy in Seattle. I I put in my story that he asked for a trade. So I, I feel like, I feel like the evidence is pretty strong in favor of that at this point. Maybe there were some public comments. Ultimately the team traded him though. He didn't choose to sign with another team. It is a little bit different than the Stewie situation. Russell Wilson then becomes a villain in the city of Seattle. Do you think that is, had the same thing happen with Brianna Stewart, would the reaction have been the same? Or is it just that the WNBA fan base is so different than an NFL fan base? I think that's definitely part of it. I mean, I think just like Russell Wilson's tenure didn't end in a happy way. He was injured the year before he got traded, they missed the playoffs. Like it wasn't a kind of, I gave all I had situation. So I feel like that played into it wrongly. I mean, I, first off, I don't think anyone should have booed Russell Wilson. I think I've been very clear with my takes about that. But the fact that like Stewie went out with her tying the WNBA playoff record in her final game with the storm. And also just kind of the general change of era here with Sue Bird's retirement, I think factors into it. Like if Pete Carroll had retired and Russell Wilson asked for a trade, I feel like it would have played a lot differently than, you know, him, him being contrasted against Pete Carroll still being here. Right. Yeah, that's probably true. I, I think Russell Wilson's just a person like, uh, people had a complicated relationship with Russell Wilson, no matter what, throughout his tenure and I think there's almost something about the like relative anonymity of Brianna Stewart we know a lot about Russell Wilson personally way too much and we don't necessarily know that much about Brianna Stewart personally so I think that's a little bit part of it like I think the financial aspect is also big like you know Brianna Stewart not only did not like renegotiate her contract as Russell Wilson did or sign a 10 year, $252 million deal like a rod, uh-huh. like she took a pay cut to go play for the Liberty, uh, which also really didn't ultimately matter because you know, it's 30,000 or whatever a year, 40,000 rather than in the millions. I don't think there'll be anybody who boos Stewie though. Like, Oh, I think there will definitely be some. You think there will be boos in the stadium? I think they'll be outnumbered by cheers, but I think there will be some. I'm curious for you to report back because my perspective is 
that it'll be a hundred percent ovation. It, it's interesting because I posed this question to Stewie and then also to Noel Quinn and Jewel Lloyd. Uh, Stewie said she wasn't sure, but like had mostly heard positive things from the people that she had talked to in Seattle. Jewel was like, I don't know. And Noel Quinn was like very confident, like, oh, it'll be nothing but love in the building for her. The, so there's even, interesting... even these people that close to the situation had different expectations. The, I, I do think the way that you end up being truly beloved in a place, obviously winning championships and stuff like that, but being a star player and having the other star players around you leave and you staying there and doing it on your own, I think, and, and succeeding. So you're, it, you're saying like the Edgar model? I mean, Edgar's more beloved than probably any Mariner ever, I think. The other interesting thing... like I, I, about... I meant like Kobe and players like that, though. Like, everybody else leaving, Kobe being on his own, like, he ended up being at a level of beloved. I, I mean, he's probably number one in Lakers history ahead of Magic at this point. I don't think there's any question here. But having that experience, those are like the most important years of Kobe's career. If Stewie had stuck around Seattle and won, if she would have said, I'm not, if we're talking legacy, which I, I don't know if Brianna Stewart is talking legacy. I don't know if she cares at all. But ultimately, she might just say, I'd rather win championships or whatever. I think her chances of becoming one of the truly most beloved players in Seattle sports and WNBA history was probably higher by staying in Seattle rather than joining the Liberty. I think Kevin Durant is not beloved anywhere. He's probably the most beloved in Seattle of any place. Yes, I've, I've made this point on a podcast before. So it, I, again, I, I, mean, I don't think the decision you, should be judged after two games. <laughs> anytime you break up your career, it's not going to have the same emotional resonance if you play as if you play for a te- one team your entire career. But the other, the other thing I wrote about with Ken Griffey Jr.'s return and the fact that like he didn't play in Seattle for eight years after he got traded to the Reds was very helpful. Like Those win- wounds had long since healed by then, and he was fully embraced, and it laid the groundwork for him to come back to Seattle to finish his career. But it's also like the way that fans judge it is like, if you seem like you're happy, we're mad about that. But if you're suffering a little bit by choosing to go to Cincinnati, it's like, we're okay with that. I don't want to live in Cincinnati, but if you want to, then you should probably be able to do that. Well, if anyone suffered in the past year, it, is, it was Russell Wilson. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but he didn't, he didn't play here at the end of the season. It might have been different if he had played here at the end of the season. He played here in the opener. I think Russell Wilson would have gotten the same response at the end of the uh, season. I don't know if it would have been terribly different. It would have been like more laughing at then. Uh, so the Liberty have won their last two after losing their season opener at Washington. Still building chemistry, but they dominated the previously undefeated Connecticut Sun in the second half at home on Saturday. Stewie, you know, not as dominant as the scorers in the 45-point game, but really at the center of that, including with her defense in that effort. Uh, on Saturday, the Storm will visit the L.A. Sparks in their first road game. Sparks have lost twice to the Aces after beating the Phoenix Mercury and Brittany Geiner's return game to open the season. Sparks hit hard last week by illness that reduced the team to eight active players on Saturday. Those two, two teams will also play in Seattle next Tuesday. 
All right, UW Baseball, let's talk about the Stillwater Regional. A host, obviously, is Oklahoma State, the number 11 seed nationally. They will open up against the Summit League champions, Oral Roberts. It's the Huskies versus Dallas Baptist. Bring and the other on, Dallas Baptist. Opening game Friday at 10 a.m. So why were we so like confused about Dallas Baptist being a baseball power last week? Well, it's the only sport they play at the Division I level. Hello. Uh, they are part of Conference USA. They are the only really? Division II program to compete in Division I baseball. Well, I'm fascinated. They're part of Conference USA. Yeah. Huh. Uh, they have appeared in every NCAA tournament since 2014, reaching the Super Regionals really? in both 2011 and 2021. Ben Zobrist, maybe their most notable alum from Dallas Baptist. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, We're learning some things here. We are. We are, sure. They went 45 and 14 this season, including three and five against power conference opponents. They split a home and home with Oklahoma State, also beat the Big 12 tournament champs, Baylor. So this is obviously a legit team. They are technically the host is the two seed within this regional. Uh, The Huskies are the three seed within this regional, although obviously that doesn't matter at all except for who bats last. Do they have an implied seating? Like, uh, in, I don't, in, in men's NCAA tournament? I, I would assume terms. not. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of geographic aspect to this. That's why, you know, Oral Roberts, I'm pretty sure, is in the state of Oklahoma. And Dallas Baptist, not too far, uh, having them play there. You know, the only team that has I don't to travel feel like significant Oral distance. Roberts is in Oklahoma. You don't think so? No. They would believe Tennessee. Yeah, it's in Tulsa. All right. Yeah. There you go. There's some Fair successful Pelton Cast geography for you. <laughs> uh, so this is the same double elimination format as we see in the softball regionals experienced uh, with UW softball a couple weeks ago. Uh, the If the Huskies lose the opener, they face the loser of the other opener, and that becomes a loser-out game. If they win, they face presumably Oklahoma State is the winner of the other uh, opener, and then they would uh, you know, play a loser-out game if they lose that. And so does only one team advance from this pool of teams? Correct. And there are 16 different pools? Correct. Or, or regions or whatever? Yes, and then much like in softball, you have two teams each advance to the super regional to face each other head-to-head, and the eight winners of that move on to the College World Series. Okay, when when does this start? When are these games? When is Dallas Baptist? Uh, the opening game for the Huskies Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. They'll what time is that Dallas in Nashville? Baptist. <laughs> that would be noon. Nashville is on Central Time, right? Yes, I think I'm going to be back in Seattle actually for that one. <laughs> uh, well, you will have to convert to Central Time for UW softball in the Women's College World Series since that opens up on Thursday. The Huskies swept Louisiana in two games to advance. They dominated the opener with Ruby Malin spinning a five-inning shutout and the offense coming in bunches. Five runs in the fourth, including home runs from Sidney Stewart in Riley Holtorf, and then three more runs in the fifth to complete a run-roll win. Huskies then sweated out Saturday's game to just one hit in the first five innings before manufacturing the game's first run on a Madison Husky sack fly in the sixth. They added an insurance run on an incredible steal of home by pinch runner Brooklyn Carter, who took off 
as the catcher threw back to the mound and beat the return throw from the pitcher. That's awesome. One of the most exciting plays you could possibly say. Lindsay Lopez started for the Huskies, scattered seven hits in six shutout innings before Malin came on for the save in the final inning. The Huskies will open open Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Central. There we go. In Oklahoma City. <laughs> against Pac-12 foe Utah, the number 15 seed nationally, that got to host last weekend's Super Regional after number two seed UCLA was upset at home in the regionals. Utah lost the opener to San Diego State, but then took the next two games. The Utes have been a thorn in the Huskies' side, taking two of three at Husky Softball Stadium in April, and then knocking them out of the Pac-12 tournament with an 8-4 win earlier this month. Hmm. Still not scared. <laughs> not scared. Not scared of Utah. Not scared at all. I mean, appropriate fear, I suppose, but I'm not. This, I, I don't think the past performance against Utah means anything for future. I mean the Huskies are favored, but it, I'm sure, but it's definitely troubling. So the winner of that one will face the winner of number three seed Florida State versus number six seed Oklahoma State. And obviously the losers of those two games face each other in a loser out game. Uh that same kind of double elimination format. That that double elimination format in the women's college world series leads up through Sunday. And then the final team, two teams will advance from that to the best of three women's college world series final, which the Huskies played last played in, in 2007, 2018. It was 18. I, I remember, I think I was off work for the week that they played it. I, during the start of the women's college world series was in the Bay area for the NBA finals back then. It was the J.R. Smith, uh, Wow. Yeah, it was a tie game. Yeah. That was only five years ago? It was, it was only five years ago. It feels like Man. many lifetimes, doesn't it? It really does. Well, I mean, even the fact that UW baseball was in the championship round five years ago, like it kind of feels like UW, or UW softball has been like, not down. I, mean, I, think that, like, I think that was the same year that UW baseball made the College World Series. Who did they lose to? Wasn't it like Greenville or something? Is a team from North Carolina? I, I don't remember the in the in the men's college world series. Yeah, it was like UNC something. I'll, I'll have to look that up. Uh, or maybe they beat them. I think maybe maybe they beat a team from UNC. Uh, but Are you sure you're not thinking of uh, how the men's soccer tournament have always played in Cary, North Carolina. <laughs> oh yeah. You know my feelings about Cary, North Carolina. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, by the way, we'll talk about where the Women's College World Series is played in a second here. We got to get it's to also, that one. It's played in in Oklahoma, right? It's played in Oklahoma City? Yes. Yeah, not Norman. Uh, the Huskies lost their opener to Mississippi State in the 2018 Baseball College World Series, one nothing, and then lost 14-5 to to Oregon State to be eliminated. Maybe they beat a North Carolina team to make it to the World Series. That seems more plausible <laughs> at some point along the way. No, I don't think so. They they uh, they beat Cal State Fullerton in the Super Regional. In their regional, uh, also featured was hosted by Coastal Carolina. Oh, Coastal Carolina. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, you did you did have it. They're in South Carolina though, right? Not North Carolina. Really? That's Tyler Thigpen's alumni, right? We are really getting deep into the let's remember some guys here. Coastal Carolina is in fact in uh in South Carolina, not in 
North Carolina. Uh, it is, Tyler it is where Tyler Tyler Pin went there. There you go. Is I I can't help but think of Coastal Carolina and not think about Tyler Thigpen. He's thirty nine years old. Good God! It was five years ago that that J.R. Smith play happened, which feels like it was actually a lot longer. So much has happened since then. I mean, like LeBron has spent so long in the with the Lakers <laughs> since then. J.R. Smith is a college golfer now. Also, is he, is he really? Wait, what? <laughs> you don't know about this story? He's in college. Yes. There's two parts of information that I am unaware of. <laughs> Not Smith one. went back to college at North Carolina, North Carolina A&T. Really? Not a school that UW has faced in the College World Series. He's a successful golfer now? He is a member of their golf team, yeah. What is the eligibility like for golf in college? Uh, you Well, it's like you know someone who plays minor league baseball and retains college football eligibility it's you know like chris wanky or whatever can so you could play a different sport and Correct. then go in a college go away for a decade or more i mean you can go away, yeah you can go away forever like you you just have the five years to play for the clock doesn't start and this is just this is just for playing right so if i were to if if i get really good at but you've already been in, been to college. The key is that J.R. Smith went directly to the NBA out of high school. So I play college. The issue is that I went to college. I can't go back and golf. I believe that probably started your NCAA eligibility clock. That precludes me. Literally, never having swung a golf club doesn't preclude me. Uh, you've never even done Top Golf, like the Celtics. Absolutely not. Like the Celtics, those losers. I this was never, this was a famous story. Is they they supposedly turned their the series around at Top Golf, but not far enough. That was the Heat series. They went to yeah. Top Golf and then yeah. turned it around and then choked after. Yeah. <laughs> a true indictment of Top Golf. Uh, I don't know if it's Top Golf's fault. <laughs> That's Top Golf is the new curse. <laughs> Top Top Golf will make you think that you're about to come back in the first ever being down 3-0 series to win. And then that's when it strikes. But uh no, I've never been Top Golf. Thank you. Oh, okay, so the other side of the bracket in the Women's College World <laughs> Series. We're still there, huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Features top-ranked Oklahoma, which rallied from a multi-run deficit, entering the bottom of the seventh on Saturday to pick up a record 48th consecutive win. So they get to play basically at home. They're they're pretty heavy favorites to win this. Uh, They will open up against Stanford, which advances the number nine seed. Uh, Also on the other side of the bracket. Really fair system you got there. Women's College World Series. Softball. World Series. Number four seed Tennessee, led by senior Kiki Malloy, whose dad is lawyer Malloy, uh, and older sister Amira played at UW, but Kiki is a far greater softball star, having hit a nation leading 25 home runs this season. She's also like incredibly fast in a great center field. Lawyer Malloy's daughter at UW. So according to the Tennessee bio, she chose Tennessee because she wanted a change of pace after spending her you know, entire childhood in the Pacific Northwest. So was it like UW didn't recruit her or anything like that? It was just she wanted to get away. 
you know, you just like staring madly is not made for a great podcast, dude. People can hear my stare. <laughs> I'm sure they can. People can hear that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, lawyer was there in the crowd. I, I happened to catch part of their game against Texas last weekend in the Super Regional. Uh-huh. Uh, and when he's at will... the Tennessee game, he's New England Patriot legend, Lawyer Malone. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, that's probably how they introduce him, I suppose. Atlanta Falcon legend, Lawyer Malone. That, that, that could be it, actually. Falcons. He is neither Seahawk or Husky legend when he's at the Tennessee game. Thank you, Lawyer. It will, I'm, I'm kind of curious if Lawyer Malone is going to come to the UW softball games. I would, I would assume so. He must have, still have some affinity for the program. So, uh, did I say win this game? Yeah, I did say. So Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Yeah, Central. you already gave the time in both Pacific and Central time. I'll be sure to tweet about it as well. Make sure. Now, is that standard in. or daylight time? That is opposite game one of the NBA Finals. Alas. Okay. All right. So. Anything else here? On UW softball? On anything, I didn't think there was really any anything out of Seahawks OTAs that we needed to discuss right now. Uh, I mean, the only thing from Seahawks OTAs that I think we needed to discuss was I was driving by and I was like, uh, the Seahawks are, pra- are doing OTAs there right now. They're practicing. And I was like, Jackson Smith and Jigba's right there. <laughs> and you were like, I was so close to Jackson Smith and Jigba. <laughs> it, it is pretty incredible that not being the first pick of the Seahawks draft, I think he is my favorite Seahawk instantly. Wow. I mean, I just, I, it, it's like so exciting to even think about him being there and playing as the Se- on the Seahawks. I'm not it's quite one sure of those who my favorite Seahawk is. It might be Tyler Lockett. I mean, Treek Woolen. Yep. That's it's a, definitely that's a up one. there. But Bobby Wagner did return to the team this offseason. It's all about your favorite player defines who you are as a person though. So that's why you have to like pick a player at a position. Like I'm not a I'm not a off-ball linebacker person. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you're saying that your favorite Clearly player... a, a wide receiver. But also like your, play, your favorite player is Ken Walker the third? Oh, <laughs> shifty. Uh, <laughs> boomer bust. Just like I am on these podcasts. Um not actually double, though, double on these podcasts I'm week. open every single play just like jackson smith and jigba and i think that that's why but the combination of just like wanting him on the team for so long and the type of player that he is is just like a be open wide receiver i i can't wait to watch him play football you know what i mean i'm not sitting around being like oh i'm so excited to watch devin witherspoon play football like it'll be fun but I care a lot more about Jackson Smith and Jigba. So I think he's number one right now. And the obvious of okay. he's just new. You know what I mean? Like DK Metcalf yeah. was the same. Like I've already seen DK Metcalf play for the Seahawks. So it just can't be as it's been great. I'm not unhappy with it, but it can't live up <laughs> to the level. You're not unhappy with DK Metcalf's play with the Seahawks. Bold tech. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yes, I do. There's a newness to Jackson Smith and Jigba 
Where and just the excitement of the fact that he was available for the Seahawks because it was so uncertain whether that was going to happen. So, uh, also should note before we go that now with episode three sixty six here, <laughs> you can do the Julia Julia in a leap year. Oh, there we go. <laughs> You didn't know where I was going with that one? I thought we were going to wish people a happy New Year's Day because they finally got into episode 366. Not yet. Not, not necessarily not yet. until we get to 367. We're going to be starting this in a leap year. <laughs> uh, we should also say, I forgot to put this on the on the uh, rundown, uh, Talking Taco Time shirts still available. I got to so ship be those. Be sure to check those I'm out. I'm going to ship those out tomorrow. Yeah, do that before you go to Nashville. I am. Do you have any... Anything to tell us about your plans for Nashville? I, it's so difficult to plan eating when you have uh, actual work to do. And I resent that, to be honest. Um, but That's I'm getting into forward to our trip to Las Vegas next week, the week all, after. All eating, which... no work, all eating. Uh, I will say, you looked at the chef's menu, Roy Choi's best friend. That's definitely what we're getting. That was Nate who said we had to get it, right? I believe so. I also talked to Bill Barnwell because he posted on Instagram that he was there last weekend, and he said everything on the menu he's had is good. Uh, best friend? Yeah. Bill Barnwell also said that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are about to be the next Jordan Pippen. So That's not exactly what he said. He said precisely, quote, he signed it. It's <laughs> on his diner photo. <laughs> Jason, it's a, he marked the date to May 29th, 2023. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown will win six NBA championships together. Can this be our, our new recurring bit? The diner photo? <laughs> the diner photo. <laughs> weirdly, I signed Night that had up in socks. <laughs> why would they hang that? I just, I don't, that I don't like know. a why. bad idea. Also, why would they hang a photo from an unknown ESPN <laughs> basketball stats writer? Also, it's probably a bigger a question. Where would they hang a photo? It is not a brick and mortar restaurant. It only operates out of a shared kitchen commissary. They put it up every time they get the kitchen back. <laughs> and they're gone for like Tuesday through Thursday. They're they, like, pull down the Kevin Pelton sign photo. They, put it back they, up when we're in there. It's motivation for them. It's, it's really just like... like uh, uh, Again, Nathan Hennepin is amazing. It's ch- chalkboard or whatever fodder for them to make better donuts. <laughs> They can hang it on the side of the truck. <laughs> anyway, I, I saw that from Barnwell, and I was like, okay. <laughs> Barnwell's larger point. I, I understand people, his larger point. People often think that the future is more determined than it is, and that whatever happened most recently is more predictive than it is. Just as people may think that this extremely short Pelton cast is predictive. Of when we have more stuff on the rundown. And it won't be. On that note. Thanks for listening. Thanks. How long is that podcast? 50 minutes. Wow. No, a little bit more than that. That's maybe our shortest weekly podcast ever. You know, we used to actually do the weekly podcast this short all the time. Really? But they had way less unit baseball content. People must have hated that. I know. It wasn't even like like I didn't have things prepared. We just really had nothing to talk about. Quiet week in Seattle sports, all things considered.